Hi, friends. I'm Olivia. I'm Rod. And you're listening to Just One More Thing from Sunrise Church. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Just One More Thing from Sunrise Church. In today's episode, we are covering the January 21st sermon titled Simplifying Prayer. And first, we got to go back to last week real quick because I realized so you say, or you said, Sinai, when you were talking about casket, the S stands for Sinai, but you were saying Sinai, and we uncovered the reason for that. It's not because that's the, the Hebrew way to pronounce it. <laughs> that's right. That is the redneck way, baby. Now, you know, um, it, it, it's very interesting. I had no idea I'd, I'd done that, and then you brought it up at lunch on Sunday, because you said in the in the podcast I say Sinai, but then I guess when I was reviewing a, the sermon, I said Sinai. So I, I didn't even know I said that. Here's the deal, because when you asked me, I was thinking, okay, wh- where did that come from? There is an elementary school in my hometown that I grew up with, and it's spelled just like Sinai, and it's pronounced, every, everybody in our county pronounces it this way, Sinai. It's Sinai Elementary on Sinai Road. And so there are times when my brain goes into neutral and it automatically goes back there. And instead of grabbing Sinai, it grabs Sinai. So no <laughs> spiritual reason other than Sinai <laughs> Elementary School that go. I did not attend, but my friends did. It was in a different part of the county. So Gotcha. All right. Well, now that we've got that out of the way, we can look at this past Uh, sermon from January 21st. And so you started off with the scripture reading of Matthew 6, the Lord's Prayer. And one of the questions that we got was, why is the Lord's Prayer in Matthew slightly different than what we see in Luke? Can you explain that difference? Well, I don't know if I can explain it fully, but I can give you uh, an answer that that satisfies me. And and that's this. Uh, What is the same on both of these are the themes that come across. Imagine if the wording was exactly the same in both places. Then I think what would happen was eventually over time, it would be like an incantation. It would be like, a you know, say these magic words. And I don't think that was the intent at all. But there are themes and broad themes that believers are to come to our Heavenly Father with. And so I think that would explain the differences. I think God in his sovereignty knew that. They, they aren't huge differences, but they're, they're enough to get us to focus on the important thing, not saying these precise words, although the church for 2,000 years has said those words. Um, it's the themes that matter, because prayer is a very individual thing as we come to our, our Heavenly Father so that that's an answer that satisfies me. Now, there might be more to it than that, but I I think that answer makes sense to me. Sure. And after the Lord's Prayer, we looked at Psalm 3, which I thought was interesting that you talked about, you know, this this current series is going deeper into what you covered in December. And so you originally were going to look at the Lord's Prayer again in more depth. But then you rewatched your sermon from December and realized 
you, you kind of covered it all. You know, uh, it's not that I said everything that could be said about the Lord's Prayer. I want, I want to be careful and not give that impression that I have spoken and there's nothing else that can be said. That is not what I'm trying to say. But, but I got to tell you, a lot of preachers do not like to listen to their own sermons. And I forced myself to do that. And I had been studying, reading a different book someone in the church gave me about praying uh, by a gentleman that uh, I spent a little time with. He was the pastor of Spurgeon's Church uh, in London when this was back in the mid-'80s. We were actually working with ministers behind the Iron Curtain together. We went to Switzerland together. His name's R.T. Kendall. And um, he wrote a book, Did You Think to Pray? And I'd never read that book, and someone in the church gave me that book to read. And so I'm reading it, and it's, it's, it's a good book. And I thought at the last minute, I said, you know, I better make sure that I'm complimenting that sermon from December rather than rehashing it. And I wanted to see what holes I could fill. And I listened to that sermon, and I said, wow, that's a good sermon. And I would encourage anyone to go to our YouTube channel and listen to that sermon called um, Access. It was, it was Gaining Access. It was Gifts Ignored Gaining Access. But you can find it. It was like the second or third week in December that I covered that. And I, I thought I did a very good job of getting the idea, the elephant in the room, as it were, on communicating with God on the table. So then that threw everything into plan B, and I looked at Psalm 40. I looked at Psalm uh, 130. I was working with the whole idea of out of the pit, and I had, didn't realize that we were going to sing a song that, that talked about that. But I ended up landing on Psalm 3 because there was an idea or a concept that I'd never thought about, which was pray the Psalms. I know a lot of times we sing the Psalms, and there are certain psalms that the church have prayed, Psalm 51 on repentance, and, um, and there are lament psalms, different kinds of psalms. But, but someone suggested pray the psalms from the heart, and that way you accomplish your Bible reading as well as prayer because the psalms really connect us to the heart of God. And so I did Psalm 3. So in Psalm 3, it's, a, it's an interesting one to look at because David is talking about his enemies and— the enemy is surrounding them. They're rising up against him, and he's praying for God to deliver him, or crying out to God for deliverance. And there's an there's an interesting point that you made where the word Selah, which is throughout the Psalms, and nobody really knows for certain what it means, but we have a pretty good idea. That word comes after that first stanza, if you will, in Psalm three. And the way that you explained it, I thought was really helpful. It's known as a literary, as a literary pause. Or an instrumental pause. An instrumental yeah. pause. But the reasoning behind putting it there, or at least the way that you explained it, I thought was really helpful. Can you explain real quick what is cool about Selah being where it was in Psalm 3? Well, what was interesting was as soon as I got in my car to leave church, someone had texted me that I had misspoken, that Selah is not in Psalm 3. And my mind went swirling because I, I could swear it was. And they were right. In a lot of English translations, it's not in there. But if you look at the footnote at the end of verse 2, at the footnote and go down, it'll say in Hebrew, Selah. And so um, it was in there. And um, it 
I think it has the idea of pause and let this settle with you and really accept the impact of that. And it happens at the end of verse 2, at the end of verse 4, and at the end of verse 8, at the end of the whole psalm. And so along the way, unless we rush too quickly, you know, we want to fast forward the, the movie to see, okay, uh, how, how does this end? Your mother is notorious for uh, asking me in a movie we're watching, okay, I just pause it. Does he die? Do I want to know the end. And I, she doesn't want the journey to, she doesn't want, want to have to live through that journey of the hero. And I think what the, the psalmist does is he says, pause and think about this. Think about this. Because in a lot of psalms, the enemy is from outside. In this psalm, the enemy is from inside. It is inside his own family. When he says, everyone has betrayed me, he's talking about his family. He's talking about his trusted advisors. And he says, pause, let this sink in. Because he also wants to pause at the end about God's deliverance. So I think that's, uh, I think that's helpful. But it is interesting to note that a lot of English translation, translators did not put Selah in there for for that Psalm 3. It's the, it's the first psalm that has a title to it, giving us the, the historic occasion for it. Psalm 1 doesn't do that. Psalm 2 doesn't do that. Psalm 3 is the first one that does that. So pulling it up on uh, my Bible app, the ESV does say Selah at the end of 2, 4, and verse 8. And I'm not sure some uh, NIV translations do, but some don't. I, 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 don't, I don't understand that. So you recommend you know, reading through the Psalms and praying the Psalms, there are a lot of different Psalms, um, or I guess genres within the the Psalms. There's the um, lament Psalms, there's the royal Psalms, but there's there's different types of Psalms. So how would you suggest that we go about, I mean, there's, there's 150 of them. So how do you suggest that we go through and start praying the Psalms? It's interesting. I got a text this morning from someone, and they said, I've started praying the Psalms. And they took a picture of Psalm 1. And it's just go through, make it your own, just just play in the in the Psalm itself. Uh, so for this person, uh, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. You know, just just in 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 taking your way through that, how good it is, how how precious it is, how right it is to not be in the counsel of the ungodly, to stand in the way of the wicked, to sit in the seat of scoffers, um, you know, and just just make it through. I said it in the sermon. I said um, Eugene Peterson first did an article on praying some of the Psalms. He, he had uh, paraphrased them, and someone came to him and said, man, these are great. Why don't you do this for the whole Bible? And so there was already the living Bible, which was a, a paraphrase, and Peterson took on the job of doing that for the whole Bible. Now, is it a translation? No, but it does help us internalize the heart of God. Most, A lot of these Psalms were written by David, and we know David was a man after God's own heart. Although not perfect, he was a man after God's own heart. And so I think the whole emotional aspect of the Christian walk uh, reveals itself in the Psalms. Because one thing I'd never thought about, Christians always run to the Lord's Prayer, but this was Jesus's prayer book. The Psalms was what Jesus prayed. It was what Jesus would have sung. 
And so uh, I think that gives us a very unique perspective, as it were. And I think it can become helpful to uh, our walk of faith today. Absolutely. It's always still applicable. Um, and it, it is true, like you said in the sermon, you'll find that there are days where you pick a psalm and it's just, you know, maybe the next one on the list, but it speaks directly to whatever situation you're in, in a way that only God can do. Yep. Well, thank you for going through that. And thank you all for listening to another episode of Just One More Thing from Sunrise Church. <laughs>